it's an exciting time to be in payroll. And, you know, the technology and innovation and investment that's coming in is just going to create so many opportunities for us. So I hope that people latch onto that and, and see payroll for much more of a career potential than they ever have. Because, I mean, we need payroll people, number one, but number two, like, it's just, there's so many cool things that are going to happen. So I'm really looking forward to that. Hi, Graham. How are you doing? Hi, Mel. I'm good. Thank you. We're heading towards spring in the Northern Hemisphere. So uh, maybe winter is over sooner rather than later. Well, I, I would like to agree with you, but I'm actually in Stockholm today and it's very snowy. So I might uh, go out for a nice walk and then I'll be home into the spring, hopefully, on Friday. So there the you go. Wonderful, the wonderful <laughs> world of global payroll. I think by Friday, uh, snow might have followed you back from Stockholm to the UK, but oh, never great. mind. <laughs> <laughs> great. So we have a fantastic um, woman in payroll today um, on our podcast, and that is Kelly Simones, and she is the Director of People Advisory Services, Payroll Advisory at EY. Um, so thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to diving into payroll and talking about all the exciting things happening in payroll. Delighted to be here. Fantastic. Let's get started then. How does geology lead to payroll <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> no um so you know it was a I was from Texas originally and I thought I would potentially look at oil and gas as part of my career so that's why I did geology and I, I actually found it really interesting um but then didn't do anything with it but I do think I use it from a payroll point of view in terms of how I approach things in terms of looking at it scientifically and being pragmatic and it, sh- it shapes and influences my my way of thinking but maybe not a direct linkage to payroll. Okay. And we and we might I'll, I'll circle back on that sort of scientific curiosity and and you know why why scientists make good payrollers. I think we've we've touched on that that previously. But let me let me then start with a, a different question. Cast your mind back. What was your first pay slip? What was your first? What job were you doing? What were you getting paid for? Yeah. So I did a retail job during summer um, when I was in college and. I was very keen about my pay slip because I was an hourly employee. And so every minute counted. And then there was also things like, you know, shift premiums if I worked different hours or overtime payments. So I remember that pay slip the first time because I was proud to have my first pay slip. That was a a milestone, but equally very intrigued in terms of making sure that all my time was properly accounted for. And I got paid, you know, the different shifts um, amounts for for each of those points. So that was my first pay slip. Excellent. And do you remember what you spent that uh, that first that first pay on? Oh yes, I spent a lot at that retail uh, store. <laughs> I don't know that I made much that summer, but my wardrobe got a really big uh, uplift. <laughs> Fantastic. And were they were they paying you in cash? Was it a little brown envelope with a, a paper pay slip and cash in it, or was it a check or a direct deposit? It was a direct deposit. So. It went in and it immediately went out. <laughs> Excellent, as, as, as most people's paychecks do, I think, even to this day. <laughs> so, um, Kelly, perhaps if you can uh, introduce yourself, where, where in the world are you today? What are you responsible for today? And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how you got there. Yeah, so I'm originally from the States, um, but I am currently located in London. I've lived here for the last eight years um, and truly feel like a, a Londoner um, at this stage. 
Um, and what I focus on in the payroll world is I lead a team of uh, payroll advisory consultants. So we help clients and companies to look at their payroll strategy and how they deliver payroll at a global basis. So that's looking at things like people, their process, um, their vendor landscape and technology solutions to really make sure that they're delivering payroll as effectively and efficiently as possible. Okay. So talk me through kind of the journey from geologist in Texas, or not quite <laughs> geologist, geology student working in retail in Texas into uh, into payroll. You've been with your current organization for quite a long period of time. So, yeah. so how did you end up there? And then we'll talk a bit more about the journey. Yes. Yeah. So um, I landed in payroll, I would say, unexpectedly. Um, so I originally, after I graduated from school, I went into an HR generalist job for a financial services company. Um, and that was great in the sense of it gave me a really broad exposure to the whole hire to retire function of, of HR and all the different activities it takes um, to run the HR function. So it was really great um, information to gain and experience. And I think it really gave me an understanding for how my, my companies that I help with the industry experience, right? Um, and then I decided I wanted to go into consulting because I did like that variability and wanted to have different experiences and that's what led me to my current employer. Um, and when I joined, I joined as a HR consultant, but ironically enough, got staffed on a number of payroll projects. So that's really how I landed in payroll unintentionally. Um, but after my first project, I was hooked. Um, I really liked you know, the complexity of it. I loved um, the global nature of it. I liked solving all the complex problems and I liked how everything was different. So you know, payroll, I always talk about not being static. There's different changes. There's uh, from a regulatory point of view or a technology point of view, um, people point of view as well. Um, so because of that, it's consistently evolving and there's always something to tackle. So, um, you know, I started in payroll and I haven't left since in the last uh, 12 years. And, um, you know, in my world of payroll, I've done things like delivering actual payroll. I've served as a payroll manager for a company. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been on, on the side of that and delivering and executing payroll. I've done payroll audits. So looking at processes and making sure that there's the right controls and um, managing risk appropriately. And then I've done, you know, strategies. So understanding where they want to be, what their ambition is, and how do we deliver a roadmap to achieve that? Um, and that tends to include things like doing a vendor selection. So understanding who plays in that space. Um, and what might be the best fit for an organization's needs, and then implementing that. So, um, you know, that could be process improvements, new technology, new vendors, um, kind of a whole host of, of, of areas to focus on, um, but have dabbled in all of those areas across payroll. So um, it's been an exciting journey to, to see payroll in the very different lenses. Fantastic. And 12 years of experience that we'll, we'll unpack and pick your brains as, <laughs> as we go through uh, the, the, you know, this, 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 this conversation. Um, so I want to start, you joined as an HR consultant and, and, and payroll, there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, I think it's almost a 50-50 split across the world in terms of payroll belongs to HR, it belongs to finance. And there's a, a, a small select few, shall we say, where payroll is its own world and, and, and has its, its own direct reporting lineup in, inside the organization. Um, do you have a view on where payroll most makes sense or why it makes sense for some organizations to be in HR and why it makes sense in others for it to sit within finance? Oh, the age old question. Um, so I think both sides make sense. Um, there's benefits from being on the finance part as well as being part of the HR organization. Um, but generally, if I had to pick, I would say from an HR point of view, it's probably best place there. 
And that's because of the number of inputs and variable data that come into payroll from an HR point of view. So, you know, all the employee master data, um, benefits information, time and attendance, um, those tend to be owned, owned and managed by HR. So I think working closely and in collaboration with HR is essential for payroll to be, you know, delivered and, and be accurate. So I would say HR, if I had to pick one. Okay, great. One of the conversations or many of the conversations on LinkedIn at the moment, I know there's like a, a group of people in the UK that are really passionate about, about making payroll its own department. Do you think it could be its own department sits there and you've got HR, payroll and finance? I think it's possible, but then you have to look at the ways of working. So um, I think the problem with that is you're at risk of being um, operating in a silo. So you don't engage across different functions. And I think that's a recipe for disaster. Um, so if you can be a standalone entity in terms of the, the function within the business, but you're working really closely with HR and you're working really closely with finance um, and making sure, you know, you're tracking things and working towards root cause analysis. And if there's an issue, you're working together to rectify that. I think that would work well, but you just have to make sure that that ways of working is in place and that you've got the governance um, to, to, to support that. So just along along those lines then. So another thing that is quite a, a big topic is how, how does payroll and HR work better? I think two things to focus on is one is common ground. I find HR and payroll professionals tend to be very passionate about what they do, take a lot of pride in the work and, and really own you know, the, the solution, and they, they do see themselves as serving employees. Um, so, so using that as a, a point of similarity, we're, we're coming from this from the same angle. We want to deliver an exceptional experience to the employees that we, we support. Um, so I think that's the first one. And then really looking at, you know, driving solutions together. And I think that does take time. And so you're not going to change everything overnight. So just focusing on, you know, some quick wins that will help to create momentum and excitement for us to continue to, you know, work on this journey along uh, one another to really provide that exceptional experience. So I think it's baby steps and coming from common backgrounds and common outcomes that you're trying to achieve and then working through that. And I do think, you know, you have to avoid the blame game um, and, and really try to be solutions focused. It's interesting, you, the, the blame game, as, as you were talking, I was thinking actually maybe maybe one of the reasons is those two functions where separated or where there is disconnect in the way that they work are often the, the, the perceived cause of their biggest pain points. So for an HR person, a missed payroll or a problem with payroll, everybody ends up at HR's door saying, hey, there's an issue here, we need to, we need to fix it, engage, it damages employee engagement and employee experience. Similarly, a lot of the conversations with the payroll function will talk about challenges with upstream data, that, that core HR data. And, and it's felt that perhaps when there's a breakdown, the other one part doesn't care about the impact it has on the, on the other. Um, and and we've, we've had a, a guest on this podcast once who tried to build a shared service center with HR and payroll in the same shared service center and actually described it as one of the biggest mistakes in her, in her career because it just, did, it just didn't work for, for a variety mm -hmm. of those reasons. So you know, maybe it's cultural, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's that, that, that point of uh, causing each other's greatest pain. I don't know if you have a view on that. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, we help a lot of clients right now when they talk about employee queries and they'll say the same thing, um, you know, an employee gets a pay slip and they're not happy and they think it's a payroll issue. And you come to find out it's something like 
they changed their bank account and they forgot to update it in the um, HR system. And so it didn't feed subsequently into payroll. And so that's why it didn't happen. Um, so I think it's, you know, again, at the end of the day, HR wants um, the employee experience to be positive. Payroll wants the employee experience to be positive. And we also want to reduce workloads so that we can focus on more you know, value add to the business. And so coming from that and saying, like, what can we do to alleviate this so that we don't have you know, several instances of this going forward? And again, driving towards that outcome, I think that really helps. And it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, but I think you realize that there are people with names and faces and personalities behind you know, these functions that ultimately we're all caring about the same thing, a good outcome for the employee. So, uh, so you make me think there is a, a that jump to the to the UK. Um, how did that come about, and um, what was the what was the experience like moving from the US to the UK? Yeah, um, so it was a surprise, <laughs> as all good things in life are. Um, my husband was transferred with work, and we thought it would be a great opportunity to you know take this chance and move to Europe. Um, so we did. And the company I work with is global. So I was really fortunate that I could continue on um, with that company and continue to do payroll, which I was passionate about. Um, and it, it was a very interesting experience. So, it, you know, it's a new culture. It's a new way of living. It's a new um, uh, you know, work environment to an extent. Um, and so really, it, again, I was living and breathing some of the things I, I thought about from a work point of view. And um and, you know, when I talk about Europe and the complexity that was there, it really brought that to life because I was experiencing it myself. Um, and I think about uh, one of the things is when I got my first payslip in the UK. And and that's another point of inflection I have in, in subsequent um, conversations with clients. But, you know, I it was all new to me. The bank account and the sort code had different formats than what I'd seen in the U.S. I had new taxes and benefits that I've never been subject to before because those were unique to the U.K. Um, regulation landscape. So I was trying to figure out, OK, well, what does that mean? And, you know, what percentages do those apply against my pay? And then even the pay frequency. You know, I was used to getting paid every two weeks. And here in Europe, it's more common to be paid monthly. Um, so for me, it was you know, when you make changes, I understood that personally, because it was a very personal experience to, to move to the UK. And despite being a payroll professional to see how that um, played out and the questions that I had or where I wasn't quite sure what was covered in my payslip or not. Um, and using that to really um, help support some of the decisions and advice I make, you know, thereafter. Hmm. And I think, Mel, you know, you, you, you put a lot of energy into payroll as a career and talking about and there's there's something that we just we just almost glossed over so I just want to take a moment to, to focus on it you're in payroll you're working with a global business your husband gets an opportunity to, to to relocate and it doesn't interrupt your career because you have a transferable skill set in a global industry and you can even if your employer hadn't been global that skill set would have worked just as well in London as it did wherever you were living in the, the U.S. at that point in time and Mel that's something I know you're, you're trying to communicate that global payroll is this interesting and challenging yeah. career it's, it's amazing because um so my background uh, originally was recruitment and I love that aspect I love the, the that aspect that you had somebody that lived somewhere in Europe or the states and you could bring them to London and you know a few years back you know you had people in their 20s living their best life doing what they could do in 
you know, um, back maybe Poland or, you know, Spain or whatever, and they could spend one or two years in in London and, you know, sort of work hard, play hard, but they had that opportunity. And I think a lot of people underestimate that side of, of payroll, that you do have transferable skills and that you can work pretty much anywhere in the world. And there's so many people now that, you know, maybe I knew 20 years ago that, you know, they, they are slightly older generation in payroll um, and they're changing their lives slightly. And now they're living abroad. You know, they're, they've moved away from the UK and they might be living in Thailand or India because they can still work for their companies. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. It's a great industry, I think, uh, to work in if you do want to travel. Yeah. And I do think there's um, a bit to your point uh, of transferable and, and global. So um, if you take it, if we look at differences, yes, there are differences across a UK payroll from a US payroll to a Thailand payroll. Um, but I, I tend to operate with kind of a view of 80-20. So 80% of payrolls are very consistent and we speak the same language, whether you're in Asia or Latin or Africa. But then, you know, there is a 20%. But that's always going to change because a regulatory environment changes or new technology players come in or vendors. Um, so that's kind of just a given. But that 80%, like you said, could be transferred to different types of roles within payroll, different types of regions within payroll, very transferable. I was just going to say there's also the aspect where, say, for example, you, you process UK payroll. Companies are moving their UK payrolls to other parts of the world. Um, so you have that great opportunity to maybe follow them out to a, a new country or you know, um, go to a, a new company, process in UK payrolls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. We're seeing that uh, in terms of uh, not necessarily process payroll from anywhere, but to an extent we are seeing that uh, more common than not, you see payrolls not being delivered perhaps in the local country. So yes, there's definitely that opportunity. How many countries do you think payroll has taken you to since then? <laughs> um, so travel quite a bit. Um, and I think that was part of the excitement in, in, in this role. I like to be able to travel. So I would say I've probably been somewhere between 30 and 50 different countries with my payroll mm -hmm. hat on. Um, but then in terms of the remit of which I've served, you know, I've got clients and, and companies that I help that have 100, 120 different countries that they're um, delivering payrolls in. So the depth and d diversity of, of the countries I've supported is quite, quite significant. What happens next? Where did where did you go next, and and how did your role develop and expand to be that you're then working with companies that have 100, 120 countries? Yeah, so my role is very much project based. So I, I tend to work for a company for a set period of time with a very focus on specific outcomes. So um, I worked with the clients that I did to support payroll delivery, and then they ultimately um, put someone in more permanent in my place. Um, and so from there, I've done, like I said kind of helping uh, companies with their strategies and delivery of that payroll. So, um, you know, I've, I've worked with companies across many different sectors, consumer products and um, health and science, um, private and public. Uh, so all very different uh, experiences. And um, what's interesting is despite being so unique and having um, unique situations from an employee perspective or a footprint perspective, um, a lot of common trends happen across all of those different companies. You know, companies big, companies small, um, global in nature, or maybe just in a single nation. Um, I think we're all fighting or, or trying to overcome similar challenges, which is, again, great in terms of working to 
use the payroll power and the network that we have to, to solve for these collectively. Yeah. And so you have a you have a great oversight of, of the payroll industry right around the world. So I'd love to get your thoughts on what makes a good payroller. A good payroller. Um, well, for, first is, if you think, a curiosity uh, to learn because it's constantly changing. And so for me, um, I do read a lot of blogs and, and read a lot of insights about payroll. And it's just amazing the massive amounts of investment and change that are coming into our industry. And I think that's going to be exciting. Um, to see how that plays out over the next few years. But you've got to be interested in learning that. I think, you know, payroll's not static. Um, the second, I think, is really being creative in terms of how you solve for problems. So a lot of these problems have been persistent problems. Um, and so the, the solutions for these problems are going to take some sort of innovation or creative ways to, to solve for. Um, so I think trying to think out of the box and and having creative ways of uh, tackling that will be something that would lead to you to be successful. And I think three is really around being able to engage with people outside of payroll. Um, We talked about this earlier, but that cross-functional engagement is is what will lead you to ultimately deliver payroll successfully. Um, Payroll tends to be uh, a recipient of all the inputs, right? So you're only as good as the teams and the data and the processes that surround you um, and support you as, as good as they are, right? Um, so I think, you know, being able to network and engage and build um, rapport with your peers across other functions within the organizations will ultimately help you and help them to be more successful at your job. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's, there's three words you've used there, curious, creative, and engaging, and perhaps not the right word for the summary, but fascinating, because I think if you asked if, if such a person exists, the average Joe in the high street, how would you describe a payroll person? If they'd even thought about it, they would probably <laughs> focus on numbers, um, internally focused, detail oriented. So do you think that was ever true about the, the profession? And, and if it was, why is it changing? So I think it is to an extent, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to look at the results and make sure you're comfortable with the calculations and, and what the, the results, results are telling you. So you do have to have that. Um, but I think the value of payroll and how it's been elevated over the last few years is, is more dynamic. And so it's not just about getting a payroll out the door. That's correct. You know, it's more about how are we, you know, working together as a team? How are we delivering on the employee experience? How are we thinking about that end-to-end process? And so, yes, we do have to get those fundamentals right. But I think because of the elevation in the payroll function, you also have to take on this broader remit um, to be successful. Oh, Kelly, you you actually said my favorite words there, dynamic. (laughs) Dynamic. (laughs) Yeah, because um, I was uh, having a discussion with a group of payrollers um a few weeks back and they were saying we should be sort of seen as fun and I was like I'm sorry I have to disagree I think we should be known as dynamic because payroll is so dynamic isn't it and if you look at you know again 30 years ago when I joined the type of person that was in payroll it has changed massively and even within within the last five years even you know when I mix with different payroll people that they are a different type of person and I will definitely say dynamic so Kelly, you touched on um, you know the change, in, and and Mel, you were talking about the change over the last five years. Obviously, we've 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 come through this the unique experience of these COVID years, and it's still an issue in some parts of the world, but generally a lot of companies and 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 
countries now looking at what comes next. And payroll was being elevated before we really hit the, the the crisis moment, but was was definitely you know thrust into that spotlight and and exposed. And and you touched early on when, and, and Melbourne saying we've been recording these podcasts for a, for a while and we were recording through the the COVID experience and there were a few who were saying you know it'll be interesting to see what happens when people get into audit after this right governments are pushing a lot of money through the payroll teams there's a there's a lot of um, stuff happening at pace so you mentioned earlier that. that part of your portfolio, part of your responsibilities, you've worked on the audit side. I'd be fascinated to understand how you're seeing companies look back now over the last couple of years with that audit lens and, and, and evaluate their performance of their payroll and, and, and considering changes they need to make next. Is that something you could speak to? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so it is a very big focus for a lot of organizations that we're working with. Um, and largely because to your point, there's a lot of um, views from the government in terms of how they're delivering on or not some of these compliance and regulatory expectations. So there's a statistic out there that something around like 60% of companies that have multinational presence have had a regulatory finding in the last two years. So if you think about that, more often than not, most companies are facing that challenge, right? And so um, that is a big focus in terms of how they're looking at that. And it's a balance between, you know, Again, there's no silver bullet to solve for that, but you know, how do you try to mitigate having too much manual intervention? How do you automate things? How do you um, avoid having key person dependencies, recognizing that if something were to happen to this person, oh no, how do we deliver payroll? Um, so you, you know, a lot of companies are looking at that, and that's why they're trying to articulate a, a new vision for their payroll strategy to alleviate some of those risks as it relates to compliance and regulations. That's a big focus, and it's a, a very common topic that we we discuss um, in our work. Okay, excellent. And and um, at risk of putting you out of any future consulting projects where someone's <laughs> saying articulate a, a payroll vision, can you can you share what you think people should be thinking about in their their payroll vision and and how they can articulate a, a future payroll vision to build on what's happened over the last few years? Yeah, so I think a couple of things that um, it, it's not a straightforward path, um, and I also always approach payroll as it's a journey, it's not a destination, because payroll will continue to change and continue to evolve. Um, so, you know, focusing on things that you can control and change immediately, and then some more mid and longer term visions. Um, and what we're seeing is a lot of companies looking at, you know, how do we leverage technology? If you look at last year, there was over $10 billion of investment in HR tech. Half of that was linked to HR or HCM and pay. So in terms of where money is being focused and where we're gonna see a lot of new development coming from in the next couple of years, it's gonna be around payroll. And so how do you leverage some of this technology that's coming out to really help you to deliver payroll? And I think, you know, if you look again at payroll compared to some of its other functional functions in the organizations, it's <clears throat> perhaps not as mature from a technology standpoint. And that's because of the complexity, um, not just language, but regulations and changes um, that they're all trying to account for in terms of serving as a solution. So I think, you know, technology and how that enables you. Um, I think around also consolidation in terms of, um, you know, if you've got all local pro uh, payroll processes and payroll providers, that's really difficult to manage for a big company. So where is there, you know, synergies where you can, you know, have one payroll system that you're using in, in this region or, um, you know, getting more of a consistent process recognizing that 80-20 split. So it's much more manageable to risk, uh, uh, to manage, 
but also, you know, from a risk standpoint, you, you can cross-train your team and create more of a compelling um, career perspective for payroll. Like, I'm not going to just be a French payroll or German payroll processor for my entire life. This will give me the opportunity to take on a couple countries and then elevate to more of an EMEA standpoint and more to a global. So, you know, I think, you know, when you get more control in terms of consolidating consistency and enabling that with tech, that creates a lot of opportunity for your payroll talent um, to continue to expand on their skills and get more experiences on a wider remit. So from a tech side of things, what are you, what are you most excited about? What's, um, what's coming that you're looking at going, that is going to change the way we do business? Yeah, um, I would say two things pop out. One is around uh, analytics and being uh, able to report on, on real time, but also predictive analytics. Um, so I think this is an area where um, companies are tracking this data, but it takes a lot of time. It's very labor intensive to pull together and get that. And as soon as you do, you know, we have another pay, pay cycle. And so you, you have to update that information again. So I'm really excited to see some of the solutions that are coming out that will um, be able to bring all of that those data and insights together and, and provide more meaningful analytics for, for companies. So that's a big area for me. Um, and then the second is around on-demand pay. And I think on-demand pay is twofold. Um, it, it's going to provide a really interesting um, solution for employees and, and help with the employee experience. But I also think from a tech point of view, that will be really helpful to unlocking some of the integrations um, at a global scale. So, you know, to be able to offer on-demand pay, you've got to be understanding of, you know, how much pay someone is has earned at any given point in time, which is real-time data, right? And so I think that's beneficial, of course, to the employee, but even more widespread, that will be unlocking, you know, having full transparency and full integration across the end-to-end payroll lifecycle, um, which we don't have necessarily today in, in a global scale. So I think it's, like I said, twofold. Immediate needs around the employee experience, but also how does that unlock the, the broader ecosystem from a tech point of view? Mm. And I'd agree. I mean, that's a fascinating area in terms of culturally how employees around the world handle those you know, incidents that come up two, three, four times a year, where whether it's a tire needs to be replaced or a tile comes off the roof or whatever the situation is where what you have in the bank doesn't doesn't cover it. And and that comes laden with a whole series of ethical and moral questions, which I think organizations are, are starting to work through. Um, and they will be different culturally by regulation and and when does when does pay get treated as an advance? When does it get taxed? There's a lot that that organizations need to work through. But it does feel like you know, what, what has been offered as a point solution or been pushed by, by vendors in the industry, which at some points frightens the payroll industry because it's if you don't have real-time visibility, how are you going to adopt these things? How are you going to do them well? How are you going to deal with the ethical issues? I think that, that to, to build on what you said, is perhaps the next opportunity is how do you unlock this at scale um, mm-hmm. to, to allow organizations to tap into what the technology can now do but in a way that fits the culture of the country they're operating in, the regulatory framework, and the infrastructure that they have in place, and, mm-hmm. and how do they set out to transform that? So, how do you see kind of AI, machine learning, robotic process automation, all these buzzwords that get talked about in the industry? How do you see them helping in that context, or more broadly? Yes, yeah, so I think there's going to be a lot of of movement on that point. So, if you look at adoption of of AI, payrolls actually one of the last functions to widely adopt that. 
Um, so I think the latest view I saw was roughly only a third of payroll solutions or payroll functions today have AI implemented into their delivery. So quite a big market in terms of more companies will likely look at this as a potential solution. And I think the maturity of that offering in, in terms of what that capability and how you can unlock that will, will, will grow because there'll be more users using it. Um, but I do see that in terms of, you know, helping to overcome some of the, the, the technology integration points. So, you know, data today that has to be either manipulated or uh, uploaded as a flat file to a payroll system. You know, there's huge opportunity to, to, to automate that. Um, things around controls. So we talked about compliance and mitigating risk, um, using this these solutions to help with that. Um, and then I think, again, at the, the end of the payroll process, around you know the analytics and the reporting capabilities there's huge opportunity there um, that we haven't fully you know explored and, and leveraged to the extent that we, we could so maybe maybe without naming names because I'm guessing if you've seen it they're your clients um, it, it, where is this being done well if only one third are doing it can you picture in your head a client or a project that you've worked on where it's being done well what does that look like when it's working well, when the technology is being deployed? Because new technology can be a little bit scary. It, it, can, it can not always deliver what you expect it to deliver straight off the bat. So I'd love to hear a success story from your experience. Yeah. So it, um, I've worked with a company that's leveraging it um, and they use it as part of, they have a COE, so they have center of excellence that does automation for them. And um, what's great is you've got that skill set in-house and it's, I think sometimes with technology, there isn't always the full understanding of once you implement it, you have to continue to maintain it and focus on it because things change. Um, so where it's been done really well is where companies have that skill set in-house. And yes, they've they've set up and they tested it originally, but they're consistently monitoring it and looking for ways to improve it. Um, because as the payroll landscape changes or as, um, you know, new tech comes in or whatever it may be that changes and disrupts the payroll delivery, if you don't have that view and you don't actively engage on it, then all that work on the automation tends to fall by the wayside because it no longer works for your organization. So where it works well, like I said, is where you've got a dedicated team that sets it up, but also continues to look at continuous improvement opportunities. Payroll people seem to be scared, not scared. Some There, there are some payroll people that are actually maybe the right word is scared of new technology I think there's there's been a situations where they've been bitten before and it's almost like they, ha they have to overcome that don't they to mm -hmm. to move forward yeah I think it comes down to to the the pride that they take in the work you know I, I remember in one of my early days in in payroll I met a payroll manager and um, she had a spreadsheet and she could literally do all the calculations for that payroll in that country on the spreadsheet and so despite having a solution and despite the solution coming out with the same answers, she did that just to make sure she felt comfortable with it. And first of all, very impressed that her, her knowledge and her ability to do that, that's fantastic. But also it was like you said, at some point you've got to lean into the technology because that's the direction of the payroll industry. It's going to be more tech driven. So how do we kind of look at that and, and grow more comfortable with it? And I think some of that is going to change as the profession continues to diversify and you get new people that are inside excited and interested in payroll and they're bringing different ideas to the industry. And I think, again, to the investment point that I talked about, there's going to be a, a, an explosion of new solutions coming through. So hopefully that will create more excitement and more trust 
um, to overall get that buy-in from across the payroll industry. But also, I think that's just inevitably where the payroll function is headed. And, and almost you touched earlier, sort of people, process, and technology. So if you're if you're two years from retirement and leaving the, the payroll profession, you, you've probably got two years where the job may not may not change dramatically. But we've talked before about the the challenge of attracting talent in, and I think there was a fear that automation would would take jobs. And and actually, it's about enriching those jobs because there is a shortage of of skills and talent coming into the industry. So you supplement with automation and, and technology. But if you're talking to someone who's done 10 years in payroll, it's got another 30 years ahead of them following Mel's pathway in terms of 30 years in, in, in payroll, how do they, curiosity is one thing, right? that's a natural, you're either curious or you're not, but what specific actions could somebody who's maybe just come into their first management job in payroll now after five, 10 years of doing it, what specific actions should they be taking to stay on top of the industry, to think about how it's going to change where do they look for advice, information? I mean, obviously, to Mel and the Global Payroll Association, but you know, what, what's your advice on how you stay current and, and how you grow with the great opportunity we see in front in the industry? Yeah. So myself and how I look at it, I'm really excited about technology. If that wasn't any indication from the, the responses so, so far. Um, but looking at how I stay up to, to date, and, and there are things that you could do as well, is you know, the access to information is, is there. You know, we've got great organizations like GPA and other thought leaders in the payroll space that are regularly pushing out information, whether it be webcasts or reports. Um, so I do kind of, when I find those types of activities, I, I lean in and I'm like, okay, every time they're going to come out with something, I, I want to read those because they are very insightful and they help you to understand the latest and greatest. Um, there's also a number of great um, thought leaders in the space. If you look on LinkedIn or um, if you look at some of the conferences they have, um, a lot of these thought leaders have their own blogs. And so they're publishing regularly content about that information. Um, so there's a few blogs that I follow and, and get those data points. I'm a big, I love data and, and percentages. And so um, a lot of the thought leaders I, do, I follow have those types of data points. And I find those really helpful to help kind of drive, okay, this is the focus. This is where, where we're, we're headed as a, 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 a payroll. Uh, group. Um, so yeah, I think it's just access. And if you look like a lot of the major providers as well, um, they have webcasts about their latest and greatest offerings, or they'll bring in speakers to talk about what they're seeing. So I think it's really leveraging that network to, to continue to enhance your, your knowledge. And I think once you, you find a few that you like, you'll just continue to, to engage with them because you'll find those really beneficial and helping you to understand where you need to be focused and where the industry is headed. And so as a, as a consultant, as an advisor, working across companies that are in 100 plus countries, we've talked a lot about the people, the skills, the core, we've talked about the technology that's exciting you. How do you knit that all together with redesigning the process of, of payroll globally? Or where does, where, does even that, where does even that process transformation start in your world? Yes. Yeah, so, so it's, you know, baby steps. Once you're not going to Rome wasn't built in a day and neither is payroll, I would say. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times what we end up doing is brainstorming around all the things. If, if we had our magic wand, you know, what are all the things that we'd like to tackle? And some of those will be driven um, by necessity, like you've got a burning platform or a really uh, loud issue that needs to be resolved immediately. And some of them are going to take longer because they take longer from a time 
a cost and a support um, perspective. Um, but what we generally do is try to really understand kind of what are your key outcomes, you know, focusing on a two or three big goals, and then what are some of the steps that you could take and prioritizing those and, and planning those out to help you ultimately achieve those goals. So it's taking a big picture, but also bottoms up in terms of some actionable items to, to drive towards those outcomes. One of the things I was loving this conversation over the series is we talked to people about, you know, some of the the people that they've worked with and the the leaders that have that have helped shape them and their uh, their agenda. And I'm I'm thinking in your world, you know, it, you, you've been in one organization for quite a long period of time, so it might be difficult to talk about leaders inside that organization because maybe still be working alongside them. But you also get incredible exposure to to leaders who are transforming their their organizations. So I'll leave it open where you draw the example from, but for you personally, what does good leadership look like in the world of of, of payroll, and and where have you seen it in action? Inspired you? Feel free to name names if you can, but uh, you know, just just curious about your your how you've been inspired around leadership and, and becoming a leader yourself. So, so one thing I've I've experienced and seen, and and I also relay to my own teams is I always say lead with courage, and I, I think one of the things sometimes we get so caught up on trying to drive perfection and and getting it right, we're never going to get it right. But that's okay. So lead with courage and, you know, take one step at a time. And, you know, I think when I work with some of the greater leaders, it's one of those situations where a couple of things happen. I, I know that they're there and they're going to support me. And so I feel comfortable to make some of those changes or do some of those things that might seem scary. Um, and, and in the same way, I'm also stretching, I'm growing, I'm, I'm getting more exposure to new and different things. So I think it's leading with courage. Um, you know, leaders that provide a safety net, but also give their teams opportunity to grow. Because when you grow, you know, that's when you're going to get better. And that's when you're going to have different perspectives and way to develop um, yourself further. And then I think around being able to have really strong but constructive feedback. So yeah, everybody wants to hear when they're doing great. But some of the leaders I've learned the most from were the ones that told me some of the messages that were probably not what I wanted to hear, but that actually I, I think, and I take that on and I'm able to improve. So I think, you know, someone that you can have those conversations and you know that they're invested in you and that's why they're giving that message so that you can improve. So we're coming into the, the home straight and this, this podcast is deliberately called Women in Global Payroll. It looks at the experience of women becoming leaders in, in global payroll and interestingly, given your breadth of experience across so many different geographies, we could almost widen the lens of, of, of inclusion and participation to think about the communities in which organizations are operating. How do you think organizations can improve or do better in ensuring that their, their leadership groups across payroll and across the teams that are designing the, the payroll are representative of the communities in which they operate and, and are reflecting the talent that's in the industry, um, regardless of gender or, or race or, or sexual orientation. Do you, you work for a big corporate organization who I'm, I'm imagining have clear ph philosophies and approaches and are good at this sort of thing. So I'd love to just get your thoughts on, on that in terms of uh, the way organizations can continue to improve their level of inclusion and representation in the world of payroll. Yeah. So I think it, a couple of things. One is we're in an interesting dynamic with the payroll industry itself. We've got um, very tenured and experienced payroll uh, professionals that are perhaps towards the end of their career and bring loads of experience, loads of insights and, and maybe lessons learned that they can share with the team. We also have 
a, a number of individuals coming in that are new to the career that are excited about the prospects of working on global projects or you know global problems across payroll. And so I think it's you know leveraging those unique sets of skill sets and perspectives um, to really bring an answer to to payroll. Um, you know I touched on earlier about how we have to have creative solutions. Well, we've got to have a creative team. And that's going to be a mixture of, of, of diverse individuals that contribute different skill sets. So, you know, there's people that will need to be focused on compliance and making sure that payroll is operated in a safe and, you know, compliant manner. We're going to have an explosion of payroll technology, which is fantastic, but that will speak to people that have different skill sets um, from a technology point of view, and we'll bring that to the industry, which is exciting. Um, and then the amount of of data that payroll has. It's so rich with data and I don't even think we're touching the surface on the capability that can be unlocked with data. Um, but again, that's gonna bring a different mindset and a different skill set um, to help really explore that and, and bring that to more power within the payroll function. So I think if you recognize, if you take a step back and recognize the different types and, and skill sets and areas of focus that will be across payroll, it's multidimensional. And so to be successful, you have to be diverse because otherwise you're going to be falling down the same pitfalls. Superb. And, and you talked, you know, you talked about being curious, being creative, engaging across teams. Your passion for the topic comes across loud and clear <laughs> through this, uh, through this conversation. And I can I'm see a self-proclaimed you... payroll nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you energizing teams around you and, 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 and then being excited about the transformation journey they're going to kick off, even though you're very clear that it's a long haul journey for the long haul, right? Not built in the day, um, needs to be planned out and, and, and is perhaps never finished as a, as, as a journey. Unfortunately, podcasts have to finish we don't get the opportunity to continually roll so i think we're, we're coming to to the end um mel uh, jump in i, I have i have yeah. i missed anything no not at all I, I i think i guessed after the first minute that you were really passionate about payroll um and yeah it's, it's brilliant and it, it's great i think payroll p- professionals are super passionate aren't they and it and it's great to have you on this podcast and just your passion is just coming through and I think we're all geeks aren't we really I think I think it's fine to to be known as a geek because I know I am so um yeah but it's, it's great to to get to know you even more and um yeah it's been a fantastic podcast so thank you so much oh, thank you so much for having me I love love to talk about payroll so this has been a great experience well we have thank a you. Kenny part two you never know <laughs> I'm in for it if you're in. So there you go. Watch this space. Okay. Thank you very much. We'll wrap that. This podcast is made possible by ADP Global Payroll, giving you the confidence and transparency to transform global payroll into an engine for growth. Begin your journey at adp.com forward slash worldwide and connect with your local global expert.